discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Bugs Bunny, Homer Simpson, Tom and Jerry, Peter Griffin, Speedy Gonzalez, Eric Cartman, Pepe Le Pew. What do all of these things have in common? I mean, other than being controversial cartoon characters, of course. Why, they're all featured on today's episode. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. Can you kiss a pretty girl, peppy boy, peppy boy? Can you kiss a pretty girl, charming peppy? Oh, oh, that's silly. I can kiss a pretty girl before she shake a pretty girl. I'm a young thing and cannot leave my mother. Well, folks, the wait is finally over. Why don't you kick up your feet and relax and listen as I explain exactly how Pepe Le Pew became the latest character in the culture war, at least according to Michael Kavna, writing for the Washington Post. Ted Geisel and Chuck Jones, the late friends churned creative collaborators during World War II, and again many years later for such TV classics as 1966's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, are again under culture scrutiny. After the news that six of Geisel's Dr. Seuss books would cease publication because of racist and insensitive imagery, Jones's Pepe Le Pew has brought Looney Tunes into the culture war over which classic children's characters are so problematic that they should be updated or disappeared. The Seuss announcement came just recently on the anniversary of Geisel's birthday, though the decision was made last year. That controversy prompted New York Times columnist Charles Blow to write a piece headlined Six Seuss Books Bore a Bias. The column noted that some of the first cartoon characters Blow remembers seeing while young are Pepe Le Pew, who quote-unquote normalized rape culture, and Speedy Gonzalez, whose friends quote helped popularize the corrosive stereotype of the drunk and lethargic Mexican, end quote. The Pepe reference resonated like a callback to a classic bit from Dave Chappelle's 2000 stand-up special, Killing Them Softly, in which the comedian says that Pepe, whom he laughed at as a kid, later, through an adult lens, makes him realize, quote, what kind of rapist is this guy, end quote. Pepe's name resurfaced when Deadline reported that the lecherously predatory skunk won't appear in the sequel 
prequel, Space Jam, A New Legacy, due out in July, after a scene involving Pepe, shot by the film's first director, Terrence Nance, was cut. Director Malcolm D. Lee took over the movie nearly two years ago. Deadline reported that Pepe Le Pew will, quote, likely be a thing of the past across all media, end quote. And The Hollywood Reporter also noted that, quote, there are no current plans for the controversial cartoon skunk to return, end quote. On Deadspin, Julie DeCaro said Pepe Le Pew deserved to be, quote unquote, canceled, writing that since his World War II era creation, quote, we've learned a lot more about consent and women have fought and won more recognition of their bodily autonomy. And yet, we continued to see these same old she's just playing hard to get tropes in entertainment even today, end quote. Elsewhere, Rex Murphy of the National Post wrote a letter to Blow saying, quote, what's next, I wonder? A hit job on Marge Simpson? I wouldn't be surprised, end quote. Gabriel Iglesias tweeted, quote, I am the voice of Speedy Gonzalez in the new Space Jam. Does this mean they are gonna try to cancel Fluffy too? You can't catch me, cancel culture, end quote. The examples keep stacking up. Disney Plus recently removed such films as Peter Pan and Dumbo from its set of titles designated for children's viewership profiles because of stereotypes and racist depictions. Some Golden Age Warner Brothers characters have changed in recent years in response to changing times. HBO Max's Looney Tunes cartoons showrunner Peter Browngart told The Times last year, quote, we're not doing guns, end quote, meaning Elmer Fudd would not no longer carry his hunting rifle, and Yosemite Sam would be stripped of his pistols. Looney Tunes reportedly would still feature tools of the stock cartoon chase like Acme Dynamite. Andrew Farrago, curator at San Francisco's Cartoon Art Museum and author of The Looney Tunes Treasury, says Seuss characters and the Warner Brothers animators used, quote, then commonplace racial and cultural stereotypes, though the enduring popularity of Dr. Seuss and Looney Tunes has led to some issues that their creators, born in the early 1900s, never could have anticipated, end quote. The six Seuss books no longer printed include And To Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street, published in 1937, and If I Ran the Zoo, published in 1950. Jones co-created Pepe Le Pew with Mike Maltese in that period. The feline groping character made his visual debut under a different name in the short Odorable Kitty, released in 1945. That same year, life photographer Alfred Eisenstadt shot the iconic VJ Day photo of a non-consensual Times Square kiss, once viewed as romantic by many, yet which now speaks to quote-unquote deeply-seated sexual prerogatives and assault. Historian Brooke L. Blower wrote in the Washington Post in 2019, Pepe Le Pew made his official debut in 1949's Oscar-winning for sentimental reasons. According to Wild Minds, the artists and rivalries that inspired the golden age of animation, written by Reed Mittenbuehler, as voiced by Mel Blanc, the character was partly inspired by Charles Boyer's smitten French jewel chief Pepe Le Moco in the 1938 remake Algiers, a film said to have helped inspire Casablanca. Pepe Le Pew nods to Algiers with his references to getting away to Zikazba, the citadel area of the city, and his 1954 short was titled The Cat's Ba.
Jones and Maltese's intent in creating Pepe Le Pew, quote, wasn't to glorify bad behavior or to outrage, Mittenbuehler writes in Wild Minds, but rather to spoof and tease Looney Tunes colleague Ted Pierce, who, quote, was always baffled when women didn't return his attentions, end quote. Pierce's attitude toward sex, quote, was direct and uncompromising, Jones wrote in his 1989 memoir, Chuck Amuck, The Life and Times of an Animated Cartoonist, adding, quote, it was only logical, of course, that Ted would be in on the beginnings of Pepe Le Pew. His devotion to women was at times pathetic, at times psychological, but always enthusiastic, end quote. Adds Jones, quote, Ted could not really believe that any woman could honestly refuse his honestly stated need for her, end quote. Jones also wrote that some of the Looney Tunes characters who have swagger or panache, including Pepe and Bugs Bunny, represented a certain wish fulfillment, reflecting his own romantic insecurities as a young man. The depiction of female animals in Looney Tunes cartoons is also controversial. Lee, the Space Jam sequel director, told Entertainment Weekly he was surprised by the quote-unquote very sexualized depiction of the anthropomorphic Lola Bunny in the original film, and how for the sequel he believes it's important to quote, reflect the authenticity of strong, capable female characters, end quote. Fans on social media have debated the new Lola, who wears a longer and baggier jersey. Quote, Lola Bunny's skill on the basketball court has always been a big aspect of her character, Carly Lane wrote for Collider, so it's fitting that she gets a makeover to her uniform that visibly mimics her teammate LeBron James, end quote. Such controversies over characters, comic book creator Jean Loon Yang says, speak to how powerful cartoons are. Quote, cartoons are simplifications, but they simplify in order to amplify, end quote. Farago says it makes sense why companies companies would alter and remove certain visual images as they endure through new eras. Quote, letting these problematic works fall by the wayside is a very reasonable way to address this issue, end quote. The cartoonist and animation writer-producer Lalo Alcarez says he is not offended by Speedy, the sombrero-wearing, quote-unquote, fastest mouse in all Mexico, originally voiced by Blank. Quote, cartoons like Speedy Gonzalez still resonate with people like me. As a Mexican-American child growing up along the border, I rarely saw representations of Mexicans or Mexico, and when they are, they were always super negative, Alcarez says. Speedy was like a superhero who outran the gringo cat and redistributed the cheese to the hungry mice. He wasn't lazy or shiftless. He was the fastest, most lovable mouse in all of Mexico. I can't even tell you what Mickey Mouse does or what his personality is, end quote. Martin Gitlin, co author of A Celebration of Animation, The 100 Greatest Cartoon Characters in Television History, views the trends in character changes as troublesome. He says, quote, I consider myself as progressive as they come, but sometimes I fear that cancel culture will eventually cross over into the realm of ridiculous, end quote. Farago, though, disagrees. He says, quote, it's not cancel culture run amok, as some news outlets and their audiences will tell you. This is just the beginning of the conversation. End quote. Washington Post.com
And so that I can remain as fair and balanced as possible, here's the conversation about Pepe Le Pew from the conservative point of view in an opinion piece written by Rob Jenkins for Town Hall, titled, On Cartoons, Wokesters Once Again Miss the Point. The columnist writes, The latest front in the culture war focuses on, wait for it, children's cartoons, in the form of animated shows and movies and illustrated storybooks. Several Dr. Seuss titles, along with Disney movies like Peter Pan and the Aristocats, and Looney Tunes characters Pepe Le Pew and Speedy Gonzales, have all been essentially cancelled by the woke mob. Unfortunately, though unsurprisingly, in their insatiable appetite for new phantom offenses, the wokesters have completely missed the point. Of course those cartoons traffic in stereotypes. They're cartoons, another word for which is caricatures. More importantly though, the fact that they might contain some mildly inappropriate material is not a bug, but a feature. That's the purpose of what we used to call the comics. Funny stories featuring broadly drawn, cartoonish characters in preposterous situations. Essentially, they're morality tales, helping children understand, in an engaging fashion, what is and isn't acceptable in society. It has ever been so, dating back long before modern moving pictures or today's colorful high-tech animation. Consider the Winnebago Trickster Cycle, a series of ancient Native American oral tales since transcribed, about a shady, mischievous, yet comical, dare we say cartoonish, character known as Trickster. A shapeshifter, Trickster appears at times as an animal, other times as human, sometimes male, sometimes female. According to one story, Trickster carries his, her, its, genitals around in a box, all the easier to morph quickly into whatever the plot requires. Trickster's role, of course, is to fool people, but more than that, he, for Trickster is primarily a he, exhibits the kinds of antisocial behaviors that were dangerous or forbidden in Winnebago culture. For example, in another story, Trickster eats a plant he had been warned not to eat. Soon he begins to defecate, and defecate, and defecate. The pile of you-know-what eventually becomes so large that Trickster must climb a tree to escape it, and even then it continues to grow, all the way up to the lowest branches. Imagine generations of Winnebago children sitting around the campfire in rapt attention, as skilled storytellers wove the sordid yet hilarious tale and squealing with delight at Trickster's grotesque predicament. But beyond the fact that it's undeniably funny, even for adults, there is an obvious point to the narrative. Don't eat things your elders tell you not to eat. In the story, the results of disobedience are absurd and therefore comical. In real life, they could be disastrous, even deadly. But it's the humorous depiction, specifically the quote-unquote inappropriate content, that drives that important message home and makes the lessons stick. Lessons that ultimately underscore what's acceptable in an organized society. The trickster character is hardly unique to Native American culture. In fact, he has appeared in many guises throughout history, all the world over. Br'er Rabbit, in the Uncle Remus tales from the Gula culture in South Georgia, is based on an African version of Trickster. In Norse mythology, the Trickster is named Loki, long before he was glamorized for Hollywood by the movie industry. In modern America, we have our own versions of Trickster. Here, he goes by names like Bugs Bunny, Pepe Le Pew, and the Cat in the Hat. Yet, in whatever form, he serves the same purpose, to make us laugh, 
specifically to make children laugh, while at the same time illustrating behavior that, although indisputably funny, is also obviously wildly inappropriate. That, as our Winnebago, Norse, and African forebearers understood so well, is one of the primary ways children learn, not just through moralistic portrayals of good behavior, but through comical depictions of bad. Thus, it never occurred to me, as a little boy watching Pepe Le Pew cartoons on Saturday morning, to find his behavior acceptable, much less imitate it. Viewing his overly amorous antics in light of what my parents had taught me about male-female relationships, and therein perhaps lies the key, I understood just the opposite. It was clear that Pepe was a cad, that no man should treat women that way, and that any man who did was, what else, a skunk. That was the message I received because it was the message intended by the storytellers. Like those who came before us, we used to understand such things, that we no longer do, that sour, humorless wokesters are attempting to banish the lovable, deplorable, ridiculous, rogue trickster, bodes ill for our society. Townhall.com Of course, this is not the first time that cartoon characters have caused controversy, and it probably won't be the last. Here's a little piece written on Chillopedia back in October of 2019. Cartoon characters, don't you just love them? Cute, cuddly, sweet, straightforward, simple, and harmless. Well, not exactly. Alongside books, films, music, and art, there has also been a fair share of controversial cartoon characters who have struck a certain discord with the public, who have been whipped up into alternating states of disgust, shock, and apoplexy. Some of the characters are understandably close to the knuckle and were clearly created to ruffle feathers. Others, however, seem rather tame and innocuous, yet still managed to upset an ever-quick-to-pounce public, provoking rallies of rage and cries for censorship. It's fair to say that cartoons have often been misunderstood as something just for kids. Take a closer look, however, especially in more recent times, and you'll see that cartoons' ability to pierce the flesh of contemporary issues and sensibilities and manipulate, twist, and subvert them has made them one of the most valid and articulate commentators on the political, ideological, and social standards, or not, as the case may be, of the day. Here are a few cartoon characters that have caused controversy. Bugs Bunny. What? Our favorite carrot-chomping rabbit? Controversial? You can probably understand how Family Guy or Cartman could get someone's goat, but Bugs Bunny? Hang on a minute. Take a closer look and you'll see there's always been a darker streak to this buck-toothed bunny's over. Certain sections of his cartoons are even banned for their racist overtones. Peter Griffin. Seth MacFarlane's Family Guy creation was clearly designed to be controversial, and he succeeds admirably on so many levels. Crude, lowbrow, unintelligent, obnoxious. He may even occasionally overstep the mark, as recent episodes have implicitly depicted him as an abusive husband, slightly neglectful of his offspring, racist, and slightly pedophilic. Tom and Jerry. There have always been murmurs of discontent amongst those supposedly holding the moral high ground over Tom and Jerry cartoons, racism and violence being the two main bones of contention. To kids who watch it, it's crazy knockabout slapstick. To some adults, it's unnecessarily violent and brutal. 
Like Bugs Bunny, Tom and Jerry are animated products of a particular time, and some of the sensibilities of the day come through in the cartoons. It's just a shame you don't see their misadventures on TV half as much as you used to. Cartman Undoubtedly one of animation's most controversial figures, Cartman was designed to be a caricature of the contemporary American kid. Fat, spoiled, foul-mouthed, bad-tempered, and manipulative. And that is what makes him fun as well as offensive. In fact, a recent UK TV poll showed he was one of the nation's favorite characters amongst 9 and 10 year olds. The Simpsons Perhaps no other cartoon series of characters has created such a phenomenon or cultural zeitgeist as Matt Greening's yellow-skinned ultimate dysfunctional family. The series has courted many controversial themes, for a cartoon at least. Homer thinking Bart's gay, Principal Skinner revealing he's an imposter, having used identity theft, and continues to up the ante at being politically incorrect and satirically spot-on acerbic. And Donald Duck. Believe it or not, Donald Duck has always been one of Disney's most contentious characters, particularly in relation to a series of World War II propaganda clips that carried strong racist overtones. And if that wasn't enough to offend you, consider Finland, who banned children from watching Donald Duck because he didn't wear pants. These are characters as much a part of our lives, and we bet you didn't realize some of them were quite as notorious as that, did you? Chillopedia.com You know, sometimes it's not necessarily the character or the cartoon itself that can cause a controversy. Here's a list of cartoon episodes that were so controversial they were banned, as listed on Looper.com back in February of 2019. Cartoons occupy a deceptively complex part of our culture. They're largely for kids, so they can be sillier, weirder, often senseless, and even a little bit dumb. Whatever, we say, with a casual shrug, it's kids stuff. Yet simultaneously, we are preoccupied with what our children, our impressionable naive children, are learning from them, especially in the age of the omnipresent screen. These are at their youngest years, we say, when they learn everything they'll need to know to have a worthwhile life. We can't just sit them down in front of anything. Arguments rage. Cartoons should be smarter. Cartoons should be simpler. Cartoons should have morals. Cartoons should be funnier. There will never be an answer that satisfies everyone. But every so often, enough controversy, outrage, and concern can coalesce around an episode or two to merit a ban. Sometimes, in retrospect, we realize these bans wouldn't happen today. Sometimes we marvel at the fact that the cartoon was ever animated in the first place. But banned they were, and it turns out there are enough of them to fill a list. Each of these cartoon episodes were so raunchy, so stupid, or so downright confusing that they were denied an audience entirely. Number 1. Gargoyles – Deadly Force From its 1994 debut, Gargoyles gained a devoted fan base for its complex plots, fluid animation, and serious storytelling. As an action-adventure series chronicling the lives of gargoyles who come to life at night to protect the places and people they love, the series explored themes including frustrated love, urban crime, and corporate greed. This willingness to go to intense 
Men's Places made Gargoyles an enduring hit that lives on in cosplay and tie-in comics to this day. But in the minds of network executives, it also crossed the line. The Season 1 episode, Deadly Force, is a compassionate, albeit stern story about gun safety, in which fun-loving gargoyle Broadway accidentally shoots human detective Eliza with her own gun. She is badly wounded and barely survives emergency surgery, and Broadway goes on a frantic, guilt-ridden crusade against guns. Ultimately, a very important lesson is learned about the safe handling of firearms, but not before graphic, blood-splattered frames of Elisa with a bullet in her belly filled the screen. Deadly Force was pulled from rotation for a while, and subsequent airings on spin-off channels Toon Disney and Disney XD recut the scene so that only Elisa's anguished face is visible. Regardless, the staff remains proud of the message they sent about gun violence in this episode, and stand by it as a thoughtful examination of firearms and their mishandling. Number 2. Dexter's Laboratory, Dexter's Rude Removal Dexter's Lab was one of the biggest successes of 1990s animation, an irreverent send-up of everything from mid-century space-age ambition to Marvel action heroes. At the heart of it was Dexter, megalomaniacal child genius with a secret lab behind his bedroom bookcase, and Dee Dee, his goofy, tutu-clad sister. Their clashes, often involving Dexter's experiments upon Dee Dee, defined many episodes of the show and typically went to bizarre extremes, as when Dexter sought to grow a beard to display his manliness after Dee Dee's teasing, or when Dee Dee inspired a crush in Dexter's arch-nemesis, Mandark. That sibling rivalry reached new heights in Dexter's rude removal. In this infamous episode, Dexter develops a quote-unquote rude removal system to remove Dee Dee's more irritating qualities. This backfires, and Dexter ends up creating two versions of himself and his sister, a polite, vaguely British pair, and a pair whose every other word is censored by profanity bleeps. Despite its completion, Dexter's rude removal never aired. Series creator Gendy Tartakovsky mentioned it from time to time, growing its legend until finally it surfaced on late-night programming block Adult Swim's website. Despite the fact that no curse word is ever actually uttered uncensored, the mere fact of their existence was too much for delicate ears. Number 3. Tiny Toon Adventures One Beer Tiny Toon Adventures was known for its wry attitude towards cartoon conventions. Babs, Buster, and the rest of the Acme Luniversity gang regularly poked fun at the expectations and tropes of the medium, from subverting slapstick gags involving mallets and banana peels to the contrasting iconic jokesters like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck with genteel mortar boards and academic robes as the Luniversity's professors. From the cartoon's setting in a town called Acme Acres to character names like Mary Melody riffing off Warner Brothers' legendary Mary Melody's cartoons, the whole cartoon rests on a foundation of meta-textual ribbing. But that went a little off the rails with the infamously banned One Beer. Plucky Duck, Hampton J. Pig, and Buster Bunny go on a whirlwind bender when they drink just one beer for the first time, quickly plummeting from wide-eyed kids to stubble-chinned lowlifes who slurringly ask their female classmates, You babes wanna hang? 
despite the fact that Buster opens the escapade by outright saying, quote, in this episode we're showing the evils of alcohol, end quote, and ending it by asking if they can do a quote-unquote funny episode tomorrow, now that they've lectured the kids. One beer was banned until 2013, when it was finally included in a DVD release. Let that be a lesson to animators across the globe. Don't try to teach valuable lessons. Number four, cow and chicken, buffalo gals. Cow and chicken never pretended to be anything but crass. Its titular siblings, excitable second grader cow and hot-tempered fifth grader chicken, regularly got into trouble that made it clear they were there to make kids laugh, not provide moral guardianship. Take for example their enemy, Red Guy, who might have actually been the devil, but was most notable for not wearing pants. Among his many aliases were Officer Pantsofsky, Mrs. Bear Derriere, Major Wedgie, and No Pants De Leon. No joke was too crude for this cartoon to indulge. There was, however, a limit the censors did not want crossed, and Cow and Chicken found it with Buffalo Gals, seven solid minutes of lesbian jokes. That is, quite frankly, what the episode consists of in its entirety, a motorcycle gang of short-haired, tattooed women who break into the family's home and chew on the carpet. One of them is named Munch Kelly. There are softball jokes. The come out tonight in the song the gang takes their name from is emphasized. Unsurprisingly, it faced resistance from network executives, although it lives on in the sketchier parts of the internet. Number 5. Dudley Do-Right, Stokey the Bear Dudley Do-Right's Stokey the Bear was intended in the spirit of fun. Canada is roundly, if kindly parodied in the episode as the home of trees, lumberjacks, the firewood industry, and, well, not much else. A man is named Redwood. Snidely Whiplash is doing his diabolical deed to better barbecue his hot dogs. There is a mountain called Up, and you can bet certain people talk often about going down to it. Stokey, the eponymous character, was meant to be very much in this vein, a parody of Smokey, of only you can prevent forest fires fame, but hypnotized by Snidely into setting fires. All in good fun, right? Wrong. The U.S. Forest Service wasn't too pleased with the spoof of their beloved mascot, in no small part because Smokey was created with a very particular purpose in mind. One, the episode episode was deliberately muddling. Understandable, perhaps, especially given that the episode's final gag implies Stokey was responsible for the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. The episode was yanked, Stokey was snuffed, and it never saw airtime again. Number 6. Batman the Brave and the Bold The Mask of Matches Malone Batman the Brave and the Bold was a self-conscious tribute and recreation of Silver Age DC comics. Bright, funny, and unabashed abashedly nonsensical. From the retro aesthetic, check out Catwoman's tactical evening gown and the sheer number of Tommy guns, to capers with titles like Invasion of the Secret Santas. Brave and the Bold was all about having a good and goofy time. Mostly, this resulted in kid-friendly hijinks of the laser guns and magical truth serums variety. But in The Mask of Matches Malone, Brave and the Bold got downright naughty. When they're caught sneaking into a night Club, Huntress, Catwoman, and Black Canary think fast and perform Birds of Prey, a throwback toe-tapper about the men of the DC universe that stuffs an innuendo into every other line. This 
ranges from Catwoman purring, what a weapon, what a bang, about Batman, the implication that Green Arrow doesn't always shoot straight, and a complaint about the Flash being just too fast. But what got the episode booted off the Season 2 DVD collection was the suggestive finger waggle Huntress deploys while discussing Aquaman's little fish and how it is less outrageous. With a bit of reanimation to remove the telltale finger, it was included as a bonus episode on the Season 3 DVD, and thus everyone now knows all about the male members of the Justice League and their prowess, on and off the battlefield. Number 7, the 1987 Garbage Pail Kids cartoon. Cast your mind back to 1987 and recall the Garbage Pail Kids trading cards. Their success rested entirely upon the fact that they were utterly disgusting little artifacts of childhood grotesquery, a perfect parody, as was their intention, of the apple-cheeked goodness of the Cabbage Patch Kids, with such characters as Adam Bomb, Uzi Susie, and Snotwitch Sandra. They were pulling no punches when it came to grossing kids out and cracking them up. But the 1987 Garbage Pail Kids cartoon went too far for the U.S. viewing audience, starring Split Kit, Clogged Dwayne, Elliot Mess, Terry Cloth, and Patty Putty. The eponymous kids used their disgusting powers to save the day. Groups, including Action for Children's Television and Christian Leaders for Responsible Television, protested, however, and the show was yanked from the airwaves mere days before release. Though it did go on to air in other countries, it never saw the light of U.S. viewership. The Garbage Pail Kids were, to be frank, dumped. Number 8, Sailor Moon, Day of Destiny. The English-language dub of anime mega-hit Sailor Moon cut and censored so many things from the original Japanese version, it merits an article unto itself. Many of these changes have become infamous. Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune, originally lovers, were changed to cousins. Zosity, originally an effeminate gay man, was given a female voice actor, and multiple Multiple instances of implied nudity were scrapped. Before many of these now infamous choices were made, however, was Day of Destiny, the finale to Season 1. Originally a two-parter, Day of Destiny sees Sailor Moon and company storm the evil Queen Beryl's Arctic Fortress. Her henchmen attack, and the battle quickly goes south. Sailors Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, and Venus all die on the ice, and Sailor Moon is forced to fight the supercharged barrel on her own. Given that the original Japanese title of the first episode is Death of the Sailor Guardians, the tragic final battle, it is perhaps unsurprising that it was cut, and the finale reduced to one cobbled together episode for the US market. It does, however, make the moment when the allegedly captured Sailor Scouts appear beside Sailor Moon to offer ghostly encouragement a bit confusing for American kids. Regardless, everyone is reborn in both the English and Japanese versions, and the dub went on to make vastly more controversial choices. Compared to Uranus and Neptune's accidental incest, Day of Destiny looks tame. Number 9. Pokemon Electric Soldier Porygon 1990s playgrounds the world over found themselves beset by a new fad. It was called Pokemon, and it still has yet to release its grip on young minds. Kids just can't get enough of Pikachu, Bulbasaur, and the 
gang, from the comics to the games to the anime. But a rumor haunted the franchise early on, mutating as it passed from kid to kid. There was an episode, they whispered, that was banned. It had made some kids sick. No, it had killed a kid. A dozen kids. Hundreds. The internet was in its infancy, and no one had ever seen the fabled episode, and so the tales grew unchecked. Even today, you might hear a child whisper about a killer episode of Pokemon that no one has ever seen. Unlike other kid-spread legends, this one really did turn out to be true. Electric Soldier Porygon is the episode in question, and it was indeed banned from the airwaves for reasons of public health. Hundreds of Japanese children were rushed to the hospital after it aired in 19. 97, suffering from seizures, convulsions, and vomiting. It turned out that a brief moment of bright, strobing animation induced this illness and set off a generation's favorite bit of gossip. 20 years later, it still fascinates us, though luckily, those prone to seizures know to keep well away. Number 10. The Powerpuff Girls See me, feel me, know me. The Powerpuff Girls was never a show content to be normal. The very premise itself, man combines sugar, spice, everything nice, and a mysterious black ooze, creates triplets, is bizarre, and episodes hinged on everything from elaborate Beatles parodies, season 3's Meet the Beat Alls, to the sinister effects of paste consumption. Season 1's Paste Makes Waste. But in Season 5's See Me, Feel Me, Know Me, this was taken to new heights. In an homage to rock operas like Tommy, the episode is a sung-through musical in which the girls meet a magical gnome who promises to vanquish all evil in exchange for their powers. They take his offer, and he makes Townsville into a cult. Eventually, the day is saved, Townsville is restored, and the gnome is defeated. So so why did Cartoon Network keep this episode off US airwaves? Questions swirled for years, until show creator Craig McCracken finally provided some answers via his Tumblr. Quote, They banned it because they claimed that the metal beams in the destroyed buildings looked too much like crosses, and one of the hippies looked like Jesus. End quote. The staff was surprised, and the fans were deprived, but it all worked out in the end. The episode is now available to anyone who wants to watch it on Hulu iTunes, or on the original series DVDs. And lastly, number 11, Outlaw Star, Hot Springs Planet Tannery. Anime exploded in popularity in the late 1990s, and Toonami, a Cartoon Network programming block aimed at the action-hungry after-school crowd, was a huge part of why. From Sailor Moon to Dragon Ball Z, Toonami aired the coolest, edgiest, often weirdest cartoons Western kids had ever seen, and it kept them coming. New episodes appeared daily, movie-length specials were hyped for weeks, and sometimes occasionally, Toonami even pushed the boundaries of what was considered acceptable. Action was tougher, faster, and more intense on Toonami, and jokes were a bit more edgy. Outlaw Star, a spacefaring action series, often pushed that line. But one whole episode, Hot Springs Planet Tenry, was deemed unacceptable, impossible to edit into suitability, and unceremoniously dumped. It's no surprise as to why. Hot Springs Planet Tenry sees hero Gene Starwind sent to a world of beautiful saunas filled with even more beautiful and always unclothed ladies. Editing a topless shot here and there was doable, but this episode was simply too dependent on many, many scenes full of flesh. 
In the end, kiddie viewers just had to deal with the lack of continuity, until many years later, it aired on the late-night reimagined Toonami, intended for just those kids who'd loved it the first time around. Looper.com Well, there you have it, folks. I would consider that plenty of evidence that there are far more controversial cartoons out there that your kids could be watching, as opposed to Pepe Le Pew. And on that note, I'm gonna go ahead and end this one by sharing with you one of my favorite Pepe Le Pew memes. In what appears to be a Facebook post, in response to an article by WFLA.com titled, Goodbye Pepe, here's why the longtime Looney Tunes character was cancelled. A user going by the name of Joe Pug commented the following, I'm glad he's cancelled and my children are safe. Now my son can get back to playing Grand Theft Auto, where he just set a hooker on fire so he didn't have to pay her. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Tuesday, March 16, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.